Hey there, fellow travelers of the Junlin Wastes. Mark back here again for the Traveling the Junlin Waste podcast, the TJW podcast for January 31st, 2024. Good to have you here today on the last day of January in 2024. And today we're going to be discussing episode 13 of the Star Wars NPR radio drama. That is correct. Force and Counterforce, episode 13 in the Star Wars NPR radio drama. It is the last one for A New Hope, and uh, I'm really excited to be able to uh, to chat about this. Congratulate everybody out there who has been listening to the NPR radio drama along with me and following along on my commentaries here. It's been very much appreciated, and I hope you've enjoyed it. But before we get into that, uh, I just wanted to mention a little bit of book news here. Obviously, you know, we're an Expanded Universe podcast, and, and, and books in the Expanded Universe is, is, you know, one of our loves here. But uh, one of the things I was noticing, and I mentioned this before, that um, some of the books that, like the previous Expanded Universe, um, not we're not talking about the canon right now, but the previously Expanded Universe uh, that is now being rebranded, they're taking titles for what they call for what, I guess, Disney and Lucasfilm are calling now the Essential Legends Collection. I've mentioned this before here on the podcast. They've come out with some really great titles. They have that whole Darth Bane trilogy. You have uh, I, Jedi by uh, Michael Stackpole. You've got a lot of the Zahn stuff, Outbound Flight, Survivor's Quest, the entire uh, Zahn trilogy with the, the, those original uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn stories. Uh, John Jackson Miller Kenobi. Right now I'm reading uh, Yoda, uh, Yoda Dark Rendezvous by Sean Stewart. Uh, it just got me to thinking, you know, when, when we see these new titles, or I should say like these rebranded titles coming out, um, it, it's fun to see that they are going through through some of them and they're, and they're picking out the ones that they are considering, like, you know, like they, like they say in the, t- in, the, in the branding there, Essential Legends. Uh, one title I did not see, but it just did come to mind. Um, and the only reason this came to mind was because I was looking around on Amazon as well, too, at those, uh, you know, the Marvel... The Star Wars Marvel Omnibus, you know, those big, large collections of all those collected uh, Dark Horse comics into into one big, large volume. So the uh, the Rebellion Omnibus Volume 2 is coming out on May 14th. Uh, included in that collection is the comic adaptation of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. This is such an interesting uh, title because um, I think there's a, sort of like this love-hate when it comes to this. Uh, this novel written by Alan Dean Foster... You know, came out in 1978. It was sort of like, you know, the sequel uh, in the expanding universe to, or to say the next part of what was going on after A New Hope. Uh, sort of appropriate to discuss as we're concluding uh, our, 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 our dive into the uh, Star Wars NPR dramas, A New Hope. Um, this was the first expanding universe story or big expanding universe story that you got um, after A New Hope. Um, some people like it. Some people, like I said, really don't like it. Um, it you got to remember, it was being written in 1978. There was, you know, the sky was the limit to where you wanted to take these characters, as long as I guess he wasn't killing off anybody. Um, but think about it. You got a novel there coming out that has Luke, Leia, and Vader in it. Um, that's 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 pretty that's that's pretty cool to get that. It's immediately after like if you're thinking like you're living in 1978 and it's right after the movie had come out in 77 and you're getting to see these characters again with the knowledge that they're going to show up again in an, in in the sequel movie. That's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, it's it for a lot of people. It's because it is so far off the rails when it comes to. Uh, following, you know, the, uh, the, the, I guess the, 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 the canon within that old expanded universe uh, timeline, 
um, you know, some things are a little bit weird. You know, I mean, I mean, Luke sees Leia as as a love interest in this in this story. Um, a lot of people see it as it's just too super sci-fi fantasy um, or too science fiction-y uh, type of a story. But um, I, I've always enjoyed it. I've always liked it. I, I take it for what it is. Uh, I think Alan Dean Forster is a very good author, and uh, I enjoy it. Uh, so when I saw that it was being, you know, you see the cover of this of this Marvel, you know, omnibus, this volume two, the Rebellion omnibus. It has that that great art uh, taken from the comic adaptation of Splinter of the Mind's Eye with Luke and Leia on on Mimbom with uh, with the droids. Uh, great cover. I loved it. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, I wonder if they were ever going to make it into uh, this title was going to ever make it into the Essential Legends collection. Um, what do you think? I think it deserves a place within those essential in, in the Essential Legends collection. I haven't seen anything saying that that they're going to put it in. Um, I have heard that's that some other titles, such as uh, you know the Lando Calrissian adventures, are going to be in there. Um, I'm assuming that maybe the the Han Solo adventures as well too, the ones that were written by Brian Daly might find their way into the Essential Legends collection. But the one I was thinking of is like, you know, the, that, that very first expanded universe story of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Uh, had that great art by Ralph McQuarrie on the cover. Uh, it, it's, 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 to me, it's, it's, it, it's an essential part of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Uh, even though it doesn't follow, you know, completely, you know, where the characters go and what the storylines are. But uh, it is a great standalone story. I've really enjoyed it. And I tend to read it actually around like, you know, the, the, uh, the winter holiday season. Um, I usually like to find a nice cold, cold uh, night, get myself a nice uh, cup of, uh, you know, hot, hot apple cider or some hot chocolate or coffee and just sit down on the chair and to be able to reread uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Um, and I'm hoping that this is going to be uh, really be part of this Essential Legends collection. If it's going to be part of the Marvel Omnibus series, I got a feeling that it, it should it, it it shouldn't be a hard sell to be able to 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 put this in the uh, in in the Essential Legends collection as well too. Uh, mostly because I would also like to see uh, what uh, 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 what new cover art would look like. Well, I, like I said, I love that Ralph McQuarrie cover with Vader and the Kyber Crystal with Luke and Leia on it. I just wonder what a new cover uh, for that uh, for, for that title would look like, especially in, in, in something coming out now in 2023 and being part of that Essential Legends collection. What do you think? Do you think that Splinter of the Mind's Eye has earned a place in the Essential Legends collection? I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message on the Traveling the Jullin Waste podcast Facebook page. Send me a message there. I'd love to hear what you think about that. And uh, yeah. Or are there any, I'll even expand on that, because we are an Expanded Universe podcast. Uh, is there a title that you haven't seen come out in the Essential Legends collection that you want to see? I would love to know which uh, which titles uh, you think should be on there. Uh, maybe they're coming out, uh, and I'd love, to, I'd love to hear what your, some of your ideas are. Like I said, send me a message, I'd love to hear it. Uh, but for now, let's dive into this final episode of uh, A New Hope on the Star Wars NPR radio drama. Force and Counterforce. You know, this was such an interesting title to me when I heard it. You know, it feels almost to me like uh, the title for one of those classic Marvel Star Wars comics uh, that come out between like 1977 and 1983. You know, I could see like, you know, the cover of the of the comic or whatever with, with some sort of like maybe Luke or Vader on it or whatever. Force and Counterforce, you know, but uh, good title. I think it, it, it matches up really well in this in this uh, in this final episode here. 
Uh, as we pick up the story here, the Death Star is approaching the Rebel base on the fourth moon on the planet Yavin. The Rebels are going to, we're told, we're going, they're going to engage the Death Star in battle. But will that battle, will that battle that we know so well from watching on the movie play out just as well on the audio drama? Well... Let's dive in and find out here, okay? Uh, the story picks up as uh, the Death Star on the Death Star with a conversation between Vader, Tarkin, and Mati. Um, the episode opens with uh, John Williams' opening uh, ominous music from uh, the opening of the movie, as we hear when we see three PO and R two on, on on the Rebel blockade runner. Uh, I think it was a good choice of music to use here as we're hearing this conversation between Vader and Tarkin and Mati. You know, it has this, this very ominous feel to it. Um, it, it. It gives you those those chills that you got when you when you first heard it in the movie, uh, awaiting uh, you know Vader and his troops uh, to invade the uh, the blockade Leia's blockade runner. Uh, Vader says his famous line here. He says, this will be a day long remembered. We have seen the end of Kenobi. We will soon see the end of the rebellion. Such a great line. Had we put there in the radio drama. I'm glad they, they, they left that in. Uh, what else happens here? Oh, so we all know about the story of Kenobi and, and, and Vader. Um, I wonder what Vader must be thinking here as he's standing here with Tarkin and Mati and he's telling them that we're gonna he's he's gonna have to now go and, and, and see final preparations before before this battle ensues. Um, if you think about it, you know, from a twenty twenty four perspective, you know, he has had he's had four duels with, with, with Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, he has all that history and that insecurity and any uneasiness and, and thoughts of betrayal, um, really that are on both sides between Vader and Anna, between uh, Vader and Kenobi. Um, Vader must be feeling a, a mix of emotion as well too. Maybe that's a little bit of Anakin, like you know, pulling at him, perhaps thinking that if the if the Death Star succeeds at wiping out the Rebel base, then perhaps this might bring him a step closer to overthrowing the Emperor. Uh, we know that that was, I mean, if you read between the lines in, in the movie, and especially if you dive deep into the expanded universe, you know that, that Vader's idea was, a, was always to, to overthrow the Emperor. He was always trying to figure out how he could be the top dog in, in, in the Empire. Uh, Tarkin does mention that uh, the Emperor, you know, he'll be pleased with what's going on and strange how we have this entire story going on and and you know we never we, we don't hear the emperor or even see the emperor in the movies until the until the return of the jedi well we do we we, we see him in that hologram when he's talking with vader in, in empire strikes back but he's never really a full a full part of the story until we get into uh return of the jedi Mahdi confirms that everyone is ready for the death star to destroy the base and Mahdi also has another conversation with Tarkin about challenging the Emperor for control with the Death Star at their command. Um, Tarkin can't completely tell if, if Mahdi is getting close to treason, and even says that to him here in the, in, in the dialogue. You know, you're getting close to treason, Mahdi. Um, interesting how this conversation takes place on the radio drama, but, you know, this, this was a conversation that's absent from, from the movie itself. Um, it seems like an interesting story point in the drama, but uh, I guess it's sort of like a moot point, as we all know, that uh, because of the fact that Mati and Tarkin 
meet their demise on on the battle station uh, later on, um, that story is obviously never going to go forward or, or, or even proceed. Uh, if they were to have survived the, uh, the the Death Star battle, now that would have been a reason maybe to keep it into the story, to have this uh, idea of, um, of of Mati and Tarkin being the ones to uh, sort of challenge Vader and the Emperor for control of, of the Empire. I like how Mati even says that uh, that Vader is a formidable opponent, but 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 can be dealt with. I I don't know how you could say that, but um, even if you have a Death Star, I, I tend to feel that Vader is is you know Vader versus a Death Star. I think I'm gonna put my I, I I'm gonna go with Vader on that one. Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of the same way that when uh, when you saw Director Krennic in Rogue One approaching uh, and speaking with with Vader, you know, as as much as he was in a powerful position with all these other Imperial officers and troops and and other people within the Rogue One story, as soon as he's in front of Vader, he is no match. <laughs> and Vader certainly proved it to him, telling him not to choke on his aspirations and bringing him to his knees uh, with a famous fourth with a famous force choke. Um, he does tell, Monty does tell Tarkin that, that he wields the ultimate power. This Death Star is the ultimate power, regardless of the Emperor or Vader. And Tarkin tells him, well, we'll think, I'll, let me think about this. First thing we gotta do is take care of the Rebels, and after that, we can think back on what's going on, on what we want to do next. Um, the scene then goes back to the Rebel base, and uh, we hear the flight crew being called to their stations. Han and Chewie... You know, they're loading up their reward, all those precious metals uh, onto the Falcon and looking to get out of there as fast as they can. Um, Han, of course, has his doubts about this attack. He thinks it's a little bit crazy uh, that they're going to attack the uh, the Death Star with, with snub fighters. Uh, Luke stops by and sees that Han got his, got his reward. Luke still, still at this point tries to convince Han to stay and to fight. Uh, Han acknowledges that there there was a homing device on the Falcon, which is which is interesting. Uh, Han tries to convince uh, Luke to to join him and Chewie and what they're gonna do. He's like, you know, you're pretty good in a fight, you know. Be part of our crew, you know. Uh, Luke Luke just doesn't want to hear it. Walks off and uh, Han tells him to hold on a second. And Luke turns, you know, hear him turn around and, and Han does wish him, you know, may the force be with you. Which coming from Han, of course, uh, you know, all this stuff is simple tricks and nonsense. Uh, you know, it does show, you know, that Han saying may the force be with you uh, really shows that he has, he has, he has, I think, you know, he's becoming a good friend of, of Luke and he can even feel it at that time. Uh, Leia and Luke have their private moment about, about Han when they discuss Han, why he won't join, um, how he misses uh, Ben, and then Leia kisses him on the cheek, and Biggs shows up, and him and they, and they he, he, you know, Biggs joshes with him about Leia, and uh, from there, you know, they, they're, they're heading off on their mission. For us who know the story of, uh, you know, A New Hope, you know, it's a little bit... Uh, a little bit sad seeing Luke and Biggs here, uh, you know, in in the hangar there, just about to to get into their X wings and fly off together. Um, Biggs in the story here, which is this, you know, they they he talks about and he thinks back to their days of racing through the Stone Needle on Tatooine. You know, harbors back to that very first episode on the NPR radio drama, where Luke was actually going through the Stone Needle when he was racing, uh, when he was racing Fixer, and how Biggs had shown up at the end of the episode, and they were talking about uh, you know Biggs antics when he was a uh, you know a, a bush pilot on Tatooine. 
then Luke sees his X-wing and that he'll be flying, and he's glad that R2 is also going to be—he's uh, going to be the droid in the socket there in the X-wing. So Luke is glad about that. Uh, but like I said, it's sort of a sad moment for us because we know that Biggs is not going to make it out of this battle. Um, great character. I th always thought that Biggs was a, uh, uh, you know, and, and he does have his story expanded on in the Dark Horse comics. I was just talking about it earlier about about Dark Horse comics, but um, there is a whole. I mean, I remember I remember having the uh, you know the the Dark Horse omnibus called Other Sons of Tatooine, which uh, they include this nice big thick volume of of you know of stories of of all these other all these other sons of Tatooine who either join the rebellion or the empire. And they have a story about, about Biggs in there and uh, what he did in, in, in that time from after he left the planet until he, uh, he start he got on his flight here to, to attack the death star. Um, another amazing amount of work on the sound effects in this episode. Uh, great sound effects, voice talent, and the music as they prepare for the battle. You hear the engines, the footsteps on the cement floor, the droids whirring around. Uh, all done so nicely. You really feel like you're a fly on the wall here, hearing and, and, and seeing everything in your mind's eye. Um, 3PO there, you know, he has his nervous farewells with, with Luke and R2, and it's, it's, it's nice, nice job throughout this series by, by Anthony Daniels on, on, on being C-3PO. He does such an extraordinary job here. Um, as the Force theme plays, we hear Ben, the ghostly voice of Ben Kenobi, telling Luke that the Force is with him. This is the second time he hears Ben post-duel. Uh, the X-Wings and Y-Wings blast off. Now, for most of the battle, we hear through the viewpoint of the uh, control room at Yavin 4. Uh, this was a smart way to do the battle. The base does have a role in the battle, and using the radio calls from the fighters to the base to narrate the scene, I think is a really smart way of giving us the battle on an audio drama. Uh, General Dodonna, Leia, and 3PO, there are eyes and ears here for a lot of it. Um, and they explain that the, uh, the Y-Wings are Gold Flight in the primary fighters, and the X-Wings are Red Flight, and they're going to draw the fire from any laser cannons at the base, at the Death Star, and from the fighters. Uh, they will also be backup if the Y-Wings can't get a shot into the target. And uh, I dig the audio in the control room of the base. It just it just sounds fantastic. Those those radio sounds, the the, the signals coming in, uh, the controllers around that room, uh, co you know, speaking back and forth with the fighters. Uh, Lei and 3PO actually share a nice little moment in which they they express thanks to each other and how they seem to be comforted by the new friendships forming between all of them at, at this time. Um, a lot of the dialogue between the pilots uh, mirror what we heard in the movie, which I think is, is, is totally appropriate. Um, it, it worked great in the movie, and I think it, it does work well here in the radio drama. Uh, the, John's, the John Williams Death Star battle music is used here, too. Of course, how could you possibly do this without that music in the background? Nice use of battle sound effects. You hear the laser cannons. You hear the, 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 the fighters coming back and forth. Nice use of the, uh, the targeting computers in action as well, too. You don't probably really think about it or notice it. Maybe you do, but uh, when you're listening to the radio drama, you definitely, you know, your, your ears start to pop up a little bit when you hear that, those targeted computers in action. Uh, they do a good job of indicating that the targeting is only way of getting this done, or so we, or so we think. That's what they, they, they discuss here, or at least the General Dodonna talks about this, saying, like, you know, if, if you're not using a targeting computer, this isn't going to happen. And, uh, you know, they... they you know, so we think that's not going to happen. <laughs> you have to wait till the end of the episode. Um, <clears throat> Gold Flight uh, in this battle is totally decimated. Uh, 
uh, with the exception of maybe like one Y-wing, I believe. Uh, Red Flight will have to make will will have to make the attempt on on the Death Star. Uh, back on the Death Star, Mahdi convinces Tarkin not to leave not to leave the Death Star. Uh, he tells him it would show weakness on his part. Uh, you could know, tell from Mati in this, in this, like I said, another scene that doesn't uh, take place completely on, on in the movie, but is but is fleshed out a bit here in the uh, in the radio drama. You know, he is he really wants to be Tarkin's right hand man, and he he's he's you know, Tarkin can't make any any action that looks like it's gonna that that's gonna be const- you know construed as 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 being weak. He tells Tarkin, you can't leave the Death Star. You have to stay here until the battle is done. We are the power. They are not. And we're going to win this. Uh, and, and and we see how that works out. Uh, they mention how also that Vader has entered into the battle in his TIE fighter. Uh, we don't hear Vader mention as he did, does in the movie to tell, to tell his uh, other people like, you know, several of our fighters have broken off from the, from the main group and you have to come with me. Um, we're just told that Vader is out there in his TIE fighter and uh, he's going to try to take care of things on his own as well. We hear Red Flight preparing for their attack run. Now, you know, we were, we're in the control room there on Yavin 4 and now all the action goes into the cockpit with Luke and R2. Uh, the story now comes from, from their perspective and everyone else is on the comms, which is sort of an interesting uh, way of going about this. We hear Red Leader attempting his attack run. The fighters start to converge on Red Leader in his attack run, which we know is Vader. He misses the shaft, and, and then he's he's blown out of the sky. Uh, Luke takes lead with Biggs and Wedge, and I love the line, you know, it's just going to be just like Baker Canyon, Baker's Canyon back home. Uh, that line, I believe, is used in the movie, but I think it has a whole lot more weight here in the radio drama when we actually got to see, or I should say, we actually got to hear Luke in that first episode, uh, you know, flying his skyhopper through Baker's Canyon through the Stone Needle. We hear, unfortunately, of course, that Big gets blown up in his X-Wing as he is, as, as, as he is covering Luke. 30 seconds left, we hear the targeting computer, you know, you know, moving along. And then all of a sudden, we hear Ben. We hear Ben telling Luke to let go and to use the Force. R2 gets fired on. He gets a little bit blown up. And then the famous scene of the Falcon coming in, knocking Vader and his TIE fighters out of the way, giving Luke the chance to blow up the Death Star. Good sounds with the torpedoes being sent into the uh, into the target area. There is an explosion, but for some reason, I didn't have that loud, powerful, jolting sound that you get in the movie. Uh, maybe it's because in the movie you do have the combination of the sound and the actual visual itself. Uh, maybe it was done this way on the radio drama to give the listeners the chance to imagine a more powerful sound on their own. I, I really don't know. You do hear a boom. You do hear a boom and an explosion. But for me, it just didn't sound as impressive as as the uh, as, as you hear in the movie. But, you know, what can you do? It, like I said, in the end, it is a radio drama, and they really did a great job. And the fact that they that I might not have gotten like the full effect of the Death Star exploding, I, that doesn't take it away from me at this time. Um, we get confirmation, you know, the station is destroyed, and, and they, they head back to the base. Um, really a nice good scene with, with Luke landing and all the celebratory reactions, hearing uh, Han and Luke reuniting after the battle, 3PO worried about R2 as, as, as he realizes that R2 was uh, shot in, you know, by, by Vader's TIE fighter in the battle. 
Uh, funny, fun, uh, not fun. Well, yeah, it is a little bit funny. I have this big celebratory cheer when when Leia says R2D2 deserves the best repair for his service into the rebellion. I'm not quoting. That's not a direct quote, but it's just like, oh, so no, he he deserves it. He 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 brought the plans and he did this. He was in battle. He deserves a great repair. And you hear all the rebels go like, yay! So it's a little bit humorous, but still still pretty fun to listen to. Uh, the radio drama also does. One more scene that was not in the movie, uh, and this scene takes place when Luke, Han, and Chewie are waiting to go down the hall or go down the aisle for the uh, for the medal ceremony. Um, you can imagine they're in this; they're they're probably in that room right before they they walk out. Han is a little bit nervous. Luke has his on his new rebel uniform. Uh, glad it's it, it's you know. It, we know we, what the uniform looks like from from the movie, uh, but one of the th one of the fun things about that uniform is that uh, I was I was always wondering I wanted to get a really nice figure of it uh, in 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 the uh, the six inch line from the black series uh, a couple years ago it finally did come out uh, they they put that uh, nice six inch figure of Luke in those uh, you know the black uh, the black uh, you know fatigue pants with the boots and the uh, the yellow jacket that goes uh, on top. Uh, and and it's called. Um, you get two variations of that figure. Actually, there was the there was the official you know release of it uh, through through Hasbro's Black Series, uh, which I think only has his blaster and uh, the metal. But you can also get uh, the comic adaptation uh, version of it called Skywalker Strikes Cover on it. And I think that you know, if I remember correctly, it has the lightsaber blaster and metal. I own it, but I haven't looked at it in a, for a while. But it has a lot of uh, cool, cool accessories that come with it as well too. Is that great cover uh, that says Skywalker Strikes on it? So, just, 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 just a uh, you know an aside there as we're talking about Luke in his uh, new uniform. Han joshes him a bit about making a good impression with Leia, uh, and at this time, you know, back in 1980 when we were listening to this uh, radio drama, it has taken basically 13 weeks of shows to get to this point. So the listener, it has been, you know, for the listener, this has been an extended amount of time uh, hearing about this story. And Luke sort of makes that point in his dialogue with allusions to, to, to saying how far he has come. And even though it's probably been only like, you know, in reality, just like a, a week or so, you know, uh, for, for all these, uh, you know, for all this story to be taking place. For us, the listener, it's, it's 13 weeks of story that has taken place. So it's it's a long amount of time, and I think they, they just wanted to use that that idea of, of, of a long amount of time to to impress about to impress just how how much Luke has come from being the farm boy stuck on Tatooine to now the hero of the rebellion. Uh, they do mention about Vader's fighter. Han does mention that uh, it got away when he tried. He blasted one of the Tie Fighters, which crashed into 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 Vader's fighter, which which knocked them out of the uh, the trench there. Han admits that he came back partially because of Chewie. You know, Chewie has such a good heart. You know, of course he told Han to go back and to help uh, help help Han and, and help help Luke and Leia, and uh, partially because of his conscience. He says he said uh, he thought all that that had happened, and he just felt like it was it was appropriate for him to uh, to, to to help out at at this point. As they walk down for the presentation, we hear Han telling Chewie to growl to give the troops eyes front, which uh, does happen in the movie. We hear Chewie growl, and all of a sudden the troops, uh, you know, goes go eye front toward the toward the front of the room there, which is which is uh, you know that famous throne room with it, along with that famous throne room ceremony music. 
and even the clapping and the cheering. Han and Luke and Leia, they have, uh, you know, sort of like a whispering conversation between them as they're standing up there in front when they get their medals, which is not in the movie. Um, for the movie, obviously, you know, just the visual works there. Leia even gives like you know, a quick sentence or two, or if you call that a speech, prior to presenting them with the medals. R2 is repaired, Leia thanks Han and Luke, and they talk about doing this again. Which, of course, will bring us to The Empire Strikes Back. You know, that is that is the next one. We will be going through the Star Wars NPR radio drama for The Empire Strikes Back. It sounds like uh, it's, it's, it's another great series, and I'm looking forward to, to re-listening to those episodes and be doing commentaries for that. But uh, just a couple closing thoughts here regarding uh, this this New Hope radio drama. On a whole, excellent performances on everyone. Fantastic production values on this. And uh, it is such a, a, a fun ride uh, in, in the story of uh, episode uh, four, A New Hope. Uh, if you know... Even if you hadn't seen, if you hadn't seen the movie, you just heard this. This was an, this was an, would have been an incredible journey as well too. Uh, but the fact that most of us have seen the movie already, uh, this just opens up, like I said, all those areas which we did not see in the movie, all those, those places and scenes which we, uh, you know, did not get to see. Maybe we heard about them in, in maybe in, in the novelization. It's been such a long time since I've read a, a New Hope novelization. That I'm not sure. But it, uh, this, it, this, this gives something else for you to think about and to be able to see the Star Wars story from interesting and new perspectives in, in the radio drama. Um, it is the longest of the NPR radio dramas at 13 episodes. The, uh, the best parts from, like I said, are those scenes that take place outside of the movie. The voice acting is great. And I think having Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels uh, there to ground us within the Star Wars galaxy. I think this gives the series um, some weight to succeed uh, in this in this media here. Uh, Brian Day's script is no doubt fantastic, and you all know how much I enjoy and respect his 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 writing and his books. Uh, but having some of the actual movie actors here, especially Mark Hamill, I think brought the series to another level, uh, you know, other than just that, just a Star Wars story done by voice actors who sound a little bit like the, like the actors and, and actresses from, from the movie. Um, obviously I think all, all the cast that they chose did a, did a fantastic job. But as we see, when we get into, um, uh, the Empire Strikes Back, we are going to be hearing some, 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 some other voices that you're going to recognize uh, that were also in the movie. So that, that, that'll be fun to, 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 to explore. Um, I'm glad you all made it through our commentaries on A New Hope. Uh, this, this was a fun journey. I was glad I got to do these commentaries. Glad I got to go back and to listen to uh, these NPR radio dramas. They're, they're fun. To me, they're, they're, they're fun expanding universe stories that expand upon what we saw on the screen there in the movies and uh i really do think they deserve uh you know a listen to every year or so to 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 you know let us have the opportunity to 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 see you know the movie through our own mind's eye you know it's 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 a lot of fun and i'm glad that we were able to uh, go on this journey together what did you think on the whole of the star wars npr radio drama a new hope send me a message as i say on the Traveling the Jungle Waste Podcast Facebook page. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts and comments about uh, this series. 
And I'm looking forward to going uh, through this again with uh, The Empire Strikes Back. So I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. I hope your January was fantastic. We look forward to hearing from you in or hearing, hear, <laughs> hearing from you in February. And uh, stay tuned because we will be having that uh, those commentaries on The Empire Strikes Back as well as next week having our very special Star Wars Podcast Day episode. So stay tuned for that. So... Have a wonderful time. Have a wonderful week. Be sure to start listening to those NPR NPR radio dramas for, for The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, listen to that first episode. Get yourself all ready to go for the commentaries next week. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all we have for you today. Have a wonderful day, all, and I'll talk to you soon.